Bay FM 100.3. This is Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey with Sharon and John. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, we have a massive night that's organised for tonight. Oh gosh, we've got, uh, this is a Shark Tank. John? No, 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 no. I think I think you'll find Shark Tank is copyright Channel Ten. All right. So okay. this is, so, this so is sort of similar-ish, kind of. Call it, call it whatever you like, but we shouldn't call it Shark Tank. We don't want to get in trouble because they they've <laughs> got bigger, deeper lawyer pockets than we have. Okay. So this and is and we're just is, a little old community this radio is, station. This is Redlands Angels Live. That's what it is. That is true. <laughs> but if you want to put your brain around something, it's kind of like, you know, Shark Tank on well, radio. It's a bit like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll accept that. It's a bit like that. Good evening, kind Sharon. Like Search like the entrepreneur's journey. Uh, welcome to Redlands Angels Live. We're going to do something a little different this evening. We are. Yeah. So lined up in the Bay FM green room, we have our three pitchers getting ready, practicing, breathing deeply and making sure that they can come and play on the radio quite nicely we also have in the studio our three angels so john would you like to do the honors and introduce our angels john Baquette happens to be one of them oh well okay yes i am gosh here we go and, and actually that was kind of the genesis of, of this idea partly i'm one of my other incarnations in life is i'm secretary of redlands angels the local angel group and when we were looking at what to do for tonight's show uh it suddenly occurred to me well why not let's bang these two things together and make them all happen and that sort of stuff so so this is this is bringing together searchlight and and redlands angels um so what we're going to do is it will we'll run in a bit like we do a regular pitch session there'll be three pitches uh pitching to the angels in the room here and then we'll be you know we'll have a discussion after that and that's going to be one of the most interesting things is not just about the pitch but also the discussion mm, because what we've done so far in 18 months of searchlight the entrepreneur's journey which has been a fascinating journey so far is that we've we've taken a lot of the mentoring ideas that do occur at a pitch a- absolutely night. but I, I think and it's we've brought them into into shows and uh, and we've talked about pitching and we've talked about capital raising so I think one of the things maybe we should take a moment or two just to clarify is maybe if nobody's ever heard of this stuff before well so first first point is what is an angel yes okay. so good point <laughs> what is an angel a, a, an angel investor is usually a higher net worth individual who's in a position to make sort of fairly early stage quite risky investments in emerging and new businesses and it's not the sort of thing you might put your, your pension fund into. It's something that is that it's it's done as part of the idea. Is also is the, is the angel investor then can assist the entrepreneur and can assist the business. So it's more than just the investment. It's about a relationship and a process. So that's mm. probably one of the key things to understand about angel investment. But also, it works better if angel investors don't all try and fly with their wings alone. Uh, it, it's, pre- it's become clear over the years that actually if angel investors can work together in networks and can combine their skills and knowledge, then they can often get better outcomes, not just for their investments, but also for the businesses. Mm. So what's And that's s- been occurring. That's been happening. So what we've seen now is we've seen over the last, oh, sorry, 15, 20 years, emergence of angel groups which are groups of individual investors who come together to look at and look at uh, possible investors, invest, investment opportunities. 
and that process happens through this process called pitching, a bit like you see on Shark Tank. So again, you know, a early stage business will come, the founder will come along and say, here's my idea, here's the business, and this is what I want to do, and this is how I'm going to make lots of money, and this is all the great things I'm going to do, and would you invest in me, please? Mm. And this is how I'm going to change the world. How you're going to change the world, or, or solve the problem I'm setting out to solve, or whatever that is. So that's, that's the essence of how that, of how that works. There's a number of things go around that. We do bump into a few technical things. You know, there's stuff like you're not meant to make public uh, public advertising for non-listed entities and securities. So technically... Do you want to put that into just I'll plain English? I'll put that into plain <laughs> English. You can't just go on the radio and say, hey, give me money to invest in my business. You're not meant to do that. So technically what's happening this evening is our pitchers are pitching to the three of us in here in the studio mm-hmm. uh, and everybody else is listening in. Uh, but if you're interested in getting involved in any of this, then we can point you to the Redlands Angels website site and you can get involved with it via that so this is a, it's a bit like on the tv it's a little bit like shark tank i suppose insofar as you're looking at a process that will be going on anyway but we're doing this to educate and inform and and have some fun yeah so that's what we're doing one of the things that would happen normally at the beginning of a pitch meeting is we would read out something called the wealth warning the what the wealth warning oh okay which is which is basically i'll cut i'll do the short version um you might lose your money if you invest yeah Right. Because it's high-risk investment. So that's something we need to make very, very clear up front. Um, there's a lot of words go around that, but that's basically what it boils down to, essentially. So that's one of the things that we'll be doing at the beginning of that, uh, of that process. So that's the very simple essence of it. My, my learned friends in the studio, my fellow members of Redlands Angels who are here, might be able to add a little to that. Uh, and I think it's time to introduce them. We should, uh, we'll kick off by introducing Tony. Um, Tony is the founder of Imaginex Ventures. Uh, Tony is active in creating and enhancing open innovation ecosystems, supporting industry, tech startups, and scaling companies. He's an advisor to international governments and corporations and is a mentor of multiple local government and international incubators. He also supports a number of angel investment groups both within Australia and Asia. As an entrepreneur, Tony has co-founded several businesses including an educational and behavioural analytics platform an advisory firm specialising in strategy and culture and most recently Imaginex Ventures. Good evening, Tony. Welcome to the show. Good evening, John. Good evening, Sharon. Thank you for having me here. This is, um, as you say, quite an interesting experience and uh, quite novel. And I guess we're all going to learn at the same time of how to do this on radio because this (laughs) is this is a first. So it's uh, a first as far as we know. If you know differently, we'd love to hear from you. Um, But we believe it could be a first on radio. Absolutely. Tony's got a lot of experience though in in all of these networks with starting up ecosystems. Um, Tony, is there anything I omitted earlier that, that you would like to add? I think the the key thing, a lot of what you covered about the angel investors, uh, I think was a lot of the key elements. And as you say, it really is about um, helping early stage companies. The couple of pieces I would add to it, one is a lot of people are listening saying, okay, are these people who are going to invest in any small or medium enterprise? And typically angel networks don't. We actually focus on high tech, high, highly scalable companies. So if people think um, Facebook, Uber, um, Airbnb, et cetera, if you think about highly scalable software companies, and that gives people who have no idea what we're doing more of an understanding of the type of market we play in. The other part that John talked about with the networks, as he mentioned before, it's actually about high-risk investment. So we typically have a portfolio approach, which means any investor will typically have a range of companies. But what it also means is an individual investor actually invests a smaller amount of money 
but when you add up lots of investors and they're all putting in, then it actually turns into a bigger sum of money for the actual startup that we're actually supporting. So it is about actually uh, de-risking um, the investment process, even though it is actually into uh, highly volatile or highly risky companies. Um, and the other part is just an expression and something John mentioned before about um, having people with experience. It's about taking investment form we call smart money. So there's a lot of people who just want to turn up and you can take money from, but if there are people with industry experience or with ability, uh, knowledge on how to scale internationally, how to go into different markets, whether it's America or whether it's Asia or wherever else, this is what we call smart money because not only will they invest in you, then they've got a vested interest in your company. They actually have skills that they can become your advisor and uh, potentially your board members down the track as you actually scale. So there's a lot of nuances, a lot of subtlety to what we're talking about here, and I guess it's a real challenge trying to cover it all in one evening. Um, hopefully we'll tease out some of those issues and some of those things as we go through the evening. So, Tony, thank you very much indeed for coming to join us. I'm sure we'll be leaning on some of your knowledge and expertise as we progress through this evening. Our other uh, angel investor in the room is Simon Horn, uh, who's currently the CEO of Australia's largest angel investor network, Angel Loop, which has grown to 17 groups across Queensland and New South Wales. Previously, he's had 15 years of international entrepreneurial experience, having started a number of businesses in Asia and more recently in the US. The most successful of these was Silicon Valley startup Blue Jeans, which uh, eventually exited to Verizon for 500 billion in June 2020. Gosh, that's a big number, Simon. Yes, that was really, that's really, tell, tell us more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a big number. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, so, so basically um, uh, what, hap what happened was that I got, a, I got a call out of the blue in 2009, these, these two... Um, Basically, these uh, two entrepreneurs and residents at a VC firm said, "Look, look, we're looking for a technical guy who knows about video conferencing. I happen to be a video conferencing guy, and uh, I was actually in between jobs, not doing very much here, bumming around here in Brisbane. And uh, and the and they I got somehow got on their list of people to ring, and they rang me up, and and I thought it was a joke. I said." You sure you got the right guy? You sure? You sure? You know, I, thought, I thought it was coming. I thought it was one of these practical jokes. Where you know when people ring you up and say, "Oh, listen, I'm going to offer you a million dollars." Anyway, so what anyway what happened was uh, I went over Silicon Valley and we uh, built the the prototype and we uh, and um, and so we built the prototype and 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 we basically I had no idea I had no idea what I was doing I was just way out of my depth I was just a novice uh, coder at that stage so I'm a programmer I just love programming and fixing problems little I know that this little, little problem was going to grow into a huge big massive business and uh, so I didn't even know they got funding until they rang me up and says we got funding. And I said, what? We got funded? I didn't even know we were looking for money. <laughs> so, so what ended up happening was I ended up going over Silicon Valley, spending a, a, a great deal of time having a lot of fun, a, a lot of fun, a lot of stress actually, uh, building an idea called uh, BlueJeans, which is a video conferencing platform. If you've never heard of it, it became, there was a one before Zoom. So if you can think of, if you think of uh, like, uh, what is it, Yahoo is to Google, well, that's what BlueJeans is to Zoom, okay? So now Zoom's worth, what? How much is Zoom worth? $215 billion? And all I think of is they just copied us. You know, we were the original guys who made it really happen. But anyway, but, uh, but it, was good. it was good fun. And we, had a, uh, and, uh, we luckily had a good exit to Verizon uh, last year. Now called Blue Jeans for Verizon. Sounds, sounds, sounds great. Uh, but now you're running Angel Loop. So how, how does that work? 
Um, I uh, it was actually blue jeans was officially a unicorn in 2015. Was officially they said they were a unicorn 15 2015. That's before Zoom took off and halved its value of Zoom. And I decided to go and uh, retire. I came home to retire, and I was bumming around trying to work out what the hell do I do with my life. And so I was I was sitting at home with my wife sitting on the couch, and she said she basically turned to me and said, "Get out. Go find something to do." <laughs> You know, you, 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 I said, but, but I'm retired. I said, I don't care if you're retired. You're not retired here. And so, so basically, I ended up getting an office. And, and I had an office down at uh, Hamilton. And, and, and it was a great little office. And, I, and nobody would ever come visit me. I just had to sit in the office. I'd go to work and I'd sit in this little office and play video games and do whatever I needed to do. And I said, well, what am I going to do in my office? And then I got involved and then I got recruited. Um, and partly I met you, John, early on. Yeah. And I got recruited into the Angels movement, Brisbane Angels originally. And, uh, and, I, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I'm at a stage in my life where I don't like golf and I don't like boats. So I've got to find something to do with my life. So I decided that uh, I think I'd go and solve a problem and that problem is getting money and funding for for early stage startups and getting them on the road and, and uh getting their first foot foot on, on the ladder that's fantastic so so basically what you do is you take these startups and you you run a little road chair with them around different angel networks is, uh, that's pretty much what you do yeah yeah well i have a range of ne- uh, yes i do run a network i've got uh, 17 groups now between between townsville and newcastle so i've been very busy the last couple of years <laughs> uh yeah so i actually run a road show once a month and and uh one of the, a couple of our pitches are, have been on the road show or are going on the road show here tonight uh so we run a really it's a it's kind of like a, a a rock show kind of of approach where we we uh do like six pitches in three days and then we come home so it's really a a a, a bang 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 get it done um it's really a lot of fun uh we have a lot of fun on the road and uh it's uh, it's really enjoyable but also it exposes uh startups to regional to regional investors and gets regional investors engaged into wanting to become angel investors as well so it's it's a it's a dual it's a, it's a dual learning process fantastic and certainly we're, we're very grateful to you for your help this evening putting this together when i phoned you up on friday and said yeah we'd like to do this but by the way we want to do it on monday so um, yes thank you for putting it together <laughs> so quickly so i really should point out that, that uh, everybody we're hearing from this evening has come through Simon and through Angel Loop, so we're much obliged to Simon uh, for that. So that has set the scene of uh, for what we're doing for the rest of the evening. Um, I think maybe we'll... We're going to take a quick we'll break, a break and a yeah. little bit of a, a musical interlude as well, and we shall be back and introduce our first pitch for the evening. This is Bay FM 100.3. This steak is amazing, Marie. Better than any restaurants, Bill. Bay FM 100.3 and Jukebox Hero Foreigner. On our searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey, and it's an interesting journey tonight. What we're doing is pictures live on the radio, and we have the Redlands Angel Network, or three from the Redlands Angels Network. There's more of here us, in the ju- we're just the three well, here. There three here in the studio. Yes, yes I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> he loves me, really. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be technically correct. Yes. We are. T- I was explaining that. Good. That we have three here in the studio, and they're wonderful. We have John Burkett, we have Simon, and we have Tony Wheeler, and we have our first pitch for the evening. Now, John, would you like to do the honors and introduce our lovely Katie? Okay. So here we go. Just a bit of housekeeping for a second. So what will happen is, just so you're aware, that each pitch has a maximum of ten minutes. We're going to have a maximum of ten minutes, but if they can do it quicker, they earn extra brownie. Points. Okay, you can 
do it a bit more quickly. Uh, so they're going to be 10 minutes speech, and then we'll have a few minutes after for the question and answer session that usually happens. That's what we normally do in a regular meeting, so that's exactly what we're going to do here. On our first guinea pig, oh, sorry, our first pitch is <laughs> it's from Katie Richards. Katie is an award-winning lawyer, passionate about finding a way to help every Australian, no matter where they live or what they earn, to be able to get legal advice when they need it most. She has already achieved some level of success with her first startup, Virtual Legal, an online law firm in Australia and New Zealand. Katie's vision is for a world where life is a little more fair for everyone, and she's using her tele-law platform, Law on Earth, to do just that. We'll hear about more of that in just a second. Outside of business, Katie is an avid marathon runner and loves everything tech. And I should also add, I'm actually a client of uh, Virtual Legal, although Katie and I have never met until today, have we? No? True. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Katie, are you ready to roll with your pitch? I was born ready. <laughs> Katie, good luck with your pitch. Your time starts now. Thanks, John. I'd like to start by asking you to think about a time when you or someone you know had a legal issue come up. It might have been property or rental related, maybe business or employment, or maybe a family law issue. And if you're like 74% of Australia, your very next thought was probably, I can't afford a lawyer and I don't know what else I can do next. And then anxiety sets in. Sometimes these problems are so bad that this helplessness leads to depression and occasionally suicide, devastating lives and communities. And this isn't just a problem in Australia. It's a very serious global issue. The problem is essentially that lawyers are too expensive. So people are either not getting advice or taking the wrong advice from Google or friends at a barbecue. Let's be clear. No advice or incorrect advice tends to lead to people making poor decisions and using the wrong steps to try and solve their issues, ending up in much worse outcomes that often can't be fixed. The thing is, I mean, we learn how to spell and count and sometimes even cook at school, but we're not taught about how our rights um, under the law work and how to deal with life's most common issues. So most people just don't know where to even start, let alone understanding what their next steps are. And I know how it feels. I grew up in Eyre, a tiny country town in North Queensland, and we struggled financially, had no way of protecting ourselves or changing the cards we'd been dealt. But about eight years ago, when I found out how widespread this problem actually was, I committed to finding a way to help people get help when they needed it the most, no matter where they live or what they earn, as John said before. To give a, um, to give a little bit of hope in what may seem like a hopeless time for so many people in that scenario. And initially I set up my law firm Virtual Legal to try and solve the problem, but the cost of running a law firm was way too high and I couldn't drop the legal rate substantially enough, so I had to turn to tech. Now, before I tell you what the solution is, let's talk about what's happening in the market already. So our competitors have tried to solve the problem too, but they're failing and here's why. Because most people can't afford to have a lawyer manage the entire legal situation, they're often starting with Google or online templates. But the problem with Google is that the law changes from region to region, so you may be getting the wrong information. And the issue with the templates is that you don't know what the clauses in the docu document actually mean, and you may actually be contracting out of protective rights that you actually had under the law, or agreeing to things that you actually don't realise you're agreeing to and ending up in a much worse position. So you could get a law firm to go and do the review of that template for you, but that often takes the lawyer several hours as the templates are just not very good quality most of the time. Or a lot of the time the lawyers actually throw that template out and they just ask you to start from scratch with their own precedent. So then you've actually paid twice. 
So what's the solution then? Well, quite simply, we needed to find a way to drastically reduce the amount of time that people need the lawyers for, but in a safe and reliable way. And that's why I created Law and Earth. It's a tally law platform that empowers the public to learn about your situation, follow videos and guides to solve your own legal issues, and then if you still need legal advice or someone to check your documents, you can then easily access lawyers right there in the platform to do the parts that you can't and to give you that advice that you need. So essentially, the user answers simple questions and the system does all of the heavy lifting. So you only really need to use a lawyer for 10% of the time, often at the end. This will save you thousands and help you end up in a better outcome that's a lot lower stress along the way. And it also means that the lawyers can actually finally start helping the other 74% of Australia who they haven't been able to help before now um, because they're only needed to use their time for such a small amount. So for those who can't afford lawyers at all, we also have the pro bono support, which means free legal advice. And when they actually access free legal advice, they also get a university student assigned to help them get through that legal matter, which makes it even quicker. So no one is left behind. So to ensure that while we're helping millions of people, we're actually still profitable, we had to make sure that we generate income mostly from subscriptions for the guides and the documents and that we also have the one-off services such as company registration. The business model is sustainable as there is very little human interaction required for the guides and the documents and the lawyers get a portion of the advice fee charged to the end user so we're not carrying any cost for the lawyers. In the coming months we'll integrate a subscription for the lawyers too. So profit margins on the documents are quite high and they're low maintenance to upkeep. Our competitive advantage is that although we too provide documents online, with Law and Earth you also get a human guide that accompanies each document created and this is written at a grade 7 reading standard. The human guide explains in simple English exactly what each clause actually means so that when you're actually using your document you actually understand what you're doing and you can easily make changes to that document by going back and changing the answers that you gave at the start super easy fast and safe so then as a user you'll also know exactly how to use that document when you need to protect your own legal rights down the track without having to constantly reach out for lawyers help again the free learning center gives guides that have time frames costs next steps how to fix your specific legal issue and then it also links you to the right documents that you need to use to fix that problem so 90 percent of the work is done the reason we're so different is because unlike the competitors, we clearly hold your hand all the way through, not just provide documents. Our third unique selling proposition is that because the legal advice sessions are recorded and stored in your dashboard, the user is able to review the advice at any time of day or night in the comfort of your own home and watch how the lawyers redrafted their documents to completely understand. This means you have total transparency. And for businesses in particular, when you're actually trying to get a lawyer to help you out of hours, you can do that via our platform to have massive speed to market and not miss out on opportunities. So look at traction over the last um, nine months. We've helped over 730 individuals already. Some of these are businesses. Thomson Reuters are promoting us out to 5,000 law firms to help us get more advisors. We're now part of the Drake WorkWise Employee Assistance Program, helping their 300,000 employees. 
CloudTech are help, uh, using the system to provide wills and estate planning to hundreds of mums, dads and business owners and we were recently awarded the Ignite Ideas Grant from Queensland Government. The Queensland Small Business Commissioner is now um, looking to promote us out to 450,000 small businesses in Queensland so we can help them get pro bono legal support from their COVID issues. But we want to do so much more. Of the 26 million people in Australia, our data shows that around 18 million of those we could reach. And we believe that through the government, community legal centres, corporate programs and social media, we can access around 10 million of these everyday Australians, even if only 1% of them had a legal issue and they spent, say, $300, then that's about $30 million a year in revenue that we could regenerate into the system to create more guides in other languages and using things like sign language. That'll enable us to continue improving the customer experience, build trust and confidence and impact millions of lives daily and it enables us to scale to New Zealand, the UK and the US in the coming years. And we've got the team to make it happen between my experience with virtual legal and 20 years in the legal and the 50 years experience of my team. We're currently raising 500000 on a safe note at a $5 million pre-cap valuation. 40% of the funds will be allocated to the tech team salaries to ensure a world-class user experience. 30% will be used for business development to complete our scale around Australia and onboard several other corporates who help us create the mass awareness to these individuals. 10% is going to go to prepare more legal precedents and human guides to ensure we're always covering all the day-to-day -day life issues. And 20% will be for marketing online into regional areas and developing materials for the Learning Centre. We anticipate the platform will be valued at 10 to 15 million within the next 12 months prior to raising a price seed round to scale internationally. And, we, and we're, given we're tapping into a mostly unserviced market, it's likely our exit would be major global law firms or a major accounting firm or potentially one of the massive template companies based either in the UK or in the US who would benefit from our reach into several other countries. This is an opportunity to invest in a sustainable and profitable solution which will impact the daily, daily lives of millions of people and create a much broader future for their children and grandchildren. And I'd love for you to join me on this journey. Thank you. Wow. That was absolutely incredible. Katie, that was wonderful. I'm going to give you a chance to have a glass of water and I'm going to give our angels in the studio the chance to finish taking notes because they were frenetically writing out notes all through that pitch. So Katie from Law on Earth, that was a magnificent pitch. We're going to, to take a quick break and uh, we'll come back and we'll find out what our angels are going to say and what kind of questions are they going to present to Katie from Law on Earth. This is Bay FM 100.3 and you're on Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey and it's pitch night here at Bay FM. Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Connect with us by SMS on 0468 86 1003.
Just great music. This is Bay FM 100.3 and Cher, Dark Lady. We have our angel investors in the studio. They will give a determination very shortly at uh, Katie's pitch. Katie from Law on Earth. I thought it was a magnificent pitch. We have John Cat. We have Simon. We also have Tony in the studio. Now, I've got to say a very, very quick hello to Tony's mum. Olive. Now, Olive, about 20 years ago, used to be involved here at Bay FM. So, uh, hi, Olive, come down. Play again. We miss you. I've actually spoken. Kay from the Bay does remember Olive. And apparently there was a big party on the weekend uh, for Tony's dad, Terry, 80, which is one heck of an innings, and I hope you had a cracker of a party. So uh, we know that you're listening tonight and hope you're enjoying Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey. And it's a very interesting twist on what we normally do. But you're going to hear some great advice and some mentoring that will occur very, very shortly here at Bay FM. We've got John, Simon and Tony, and we had our first pitch literally just before the break from katie law on earth now our angels our angel investors in the studio uh we need to do a very quick disclaimer katie's pitch was to our angel investors here in the studio this is not for the broader community though if you are interested please get in touch with startup redlands and you can do that with the webpage. go to www.startupredlands.com oh not startup redlands sorry take two redlandsangels.com.au gosh there's so many websites uh if you click up in the top right hand corner there's a how to join section so if you're interested in getting involved in this you'd be interested in coming along to a real meeting where we do this kind of thing go along to redlandsangels.com.au and perhaps even have your own chance at pitching too that's a possibility if you're interested in that fill out the contact form on the on the same page and we'd love to hear from you okay so on that note we have our angels in the studio and we're literally about to find out what their thoughts were for for katie and law on earth here at bay fm and searchlight the entrepreneur's journey john Okay, so what happened at the end of it? So first of all, well done, Katie. Good pitch. That was our first first pitch on the radio. Well done. That's Thank a claim to fame. Wherever you go. Uh, so what we do after that is we'll then go, mm, and then we'll go. Right, we've got some questions for you. So we're going to be very. We're going to go around the table, and everybody gets to go at a question. So, Tony, do you want to kick off? Sure. Thanks, John. Um, and thank you, Katie. Um, just picking up on what was said before. One is absolutely wonderful. It was a very, very intriguing and interesting pitch. But there's something a little bit unique about it as well. I'll just give a little bit of context for everyone who's listening. Ordinarily, these sessions uh, are done in, for example, a conference room or a boardroom. We have a big projector there, and the person who's doing the pitch normally has a pitch deck, a series of pictures behind them they can project, which actually help them tell the story. So they'll have pictures of what it is they're talking about. They'll have all their financials. So not only does it make it easier for them, it also makes it a lot easier for us. So at the moment, we're trying to visualise uh, what Katie's pitch is and what Law on Earth is actually all about, but with all out the visual cues at the same time. Oh, but you know what they say, the pictures are better on radio. Exactly. <laughs> Particularly when we all have heads for radio. So, it's, so first of all, um, you've done an amazing job of actually uh, translating it and narrating it in a way that did, I think, uh, create a very clear picture. So I think that's actually really, really powerful. Most people don't even get to do that or are no good at that even when they've got the use of visual aids. It's one of the things that uh, we observe a lot. 
the other piece is just coming back to what Sharon said. As angels typically at these forums, we don't give, I guess, determinations. It's not like we hold up scorecards and give you a score out of 10 or anything. And in a lot of instances, there may be some elements of advice, but most of what you'll actually get on a forum like this are questions. Because at the end of the day, if we're thinking about, one, do we invest in you? What's your um, background? It's like, what's all the key questions we want more answers to or more clarification? Because we've got to do a lot of due diligence after a 10-minute pitch. So this is just really the first phase of that. So I guess I'm just sharing that just to paint a picture for basically people who are listening to understand what the process is. I'm going to ask a couple of questions and also do this as a, I guess, a bit of an educational process for our listeners who have not experienced something like this before about the types of forums that we go through. Um, so there's always things that we look at, and this is based on lots of experience of working with startups. Um, and we'll ask questions progressively around the three of us will be things like our product market fit. So you've heard John mention a few times, what is the problem that I'm solving? We always ask this of any startup. What's the problem I'm solving? So in our mind, we're asking ourselves the question, are you clear in your pitch about what the problem is that you're actually solving? Um, and I think as soon as you said lawyers are expensive, my visualisation was that everyone out there listening right now, all their heads were nodding wildly. Um, as a very good friend of mine says, who uh, has a, as a law firm says, do you want a good lawyer or do you want a cheap lawyer? So there is a whole mentality that goes with that. And it's interesting to hear the 74%, you're saying the people that can't, can't access it or typically don't access it, just purely because of that perception that it is too expensive. Um, there's, there's a whole range of things. That, so once we talk about, is there a real problem? Does the problem exist? Um, in this case, yes. I concur that there is actually a problem in this space. We then look at things like, is your solution appropriate? Is your, does your solution actually solve that problem? Is it actually scalable? Does it have a sound business model? And these are the sorts of questions that we'll progressively tease out. So I'm not asking all of them right now. I'm just, I guess, setting the scene for, for people listening. Um, other parts is, do you have the right team? You might have a, an amazing idea, but do you have the right team to take it to market? A lot of people are incredibly good technically, but they don't have the marketing team or they don't have the business team or the, the finance team to actually back them or support them or even the team that's appropriate to actually go around raising money because that's a whole different skill set on its own. Most people think they just have to get up and show how passionate they are about something and that the money's going to flow. And 99% of the time it doesn't. So it's... it's and they, they get very, very annoyed, putting it politely. So... That's, that's a little bit about the, the scene, and you've, you've also come to an ask, which is you're saying this is how much we're trying to raise. The other guys are really going to deal with that uh, later on because you introduced some technical terms in there about what the raise is, valuations, the safe notes and everything else. So we'll deal with all that as a, as a secondary item. But I guess just coming back, the, the best way to actually define is there a problem and do you have a solution that the market is actually going to give you money for? is to say, what is your traction? Do you actually have people paying you for this solution right now? You touched on it a little bit. You said something about 750 users, and then you rattled off a bunch of companies, all of which you're saying are willing to promote you through the legal fraternity or through their client bases. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? What is your actual traction? Oftentimes, we also see with uh, early adopters, early clients, is they're doing it as a freebie. So you want to actually say, I've got a client on the books, but they're not actually paying for the service, or it's dramatically discounted. So just give us a bit more background about who you've got. Is it 
anyway, you know yeah. what I'm after. Go for it. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So um, of the users that we've got in the platform, we're doing around between two to five grand a month at the moment while we're onboarding CloudTech. So CloudTech will start onboarding this week coming and that will dramatically jump our revenues up um, significantly from that. So that's actually another one of the corporates that are not just um, using it for their service. They're actually taking our services to individuals and they're just facilitating the hand-holding of that. So that's how that's working. Um, but in terms of the, the clients that we've already got that are using it now, it's a really big sprinkling of people that are using wills and estates and business owners. So they're not, they don't need to use legal every single day, but they might need it once a month and you know, two months later they might need a different document. So they're getting the subscriptions or they're buying one-off documents here and there. But um, the benefit of having the Thomson Reuters and all the other people, the Queensland Small Business Commissioner, um, creating awareness of it is that it keeps our marketing spend low and it actually comes with the credibility of those people behind it to say to individuals, look, there is actually an option out there for you because legal aid can't cover a lot of them anyway because they don't, they're not broke enough to get legal aid and it's not criminal or family law. Um, so we're getting a lot of people um, asking us to sort of start doing their divorces online as well. So they're the documents we're loading in this week. So we're anticipating that the divorces will go through the roof in the next few weeks. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's just the flavour of the month. <laughs> so, so talk to me, just, uh, just building on that a little bit. So you, you didn't. So you talked a little bit about what your current traction is, 5K a month. So we're talking, um, again... When all of these clients come on board and so actually all up to speed, what do you expect in your annual rev to be, your revenue to be in 12 months' time? And you've talked about two markets there, so what we call B2C and B2B. Mm. So, again, what does that mean? So it's either business to consumer, which is like the mums and dads sitting out there listening, or B2B is business to business. So is it the larger entities that are actually going to promote? Because you also talked a bit about, say, one of your key things is you want to grow the subscription model. As you said, hopefully people don't get divorced every couple of months. So most people are going to use this f uh, platform once off or when they sell a house, when there's wills or estate to sort out or anything else. So how does the subscription model really going to work and what's the percentage of that going to be versus actually user pays? Yeah, so um, where you'll have a, a situation where people might actually use it as the subscription as opposed to just one-offs is where you do have the individuals that, say, have their wills and they're being told they need to update their wills each year by their financial planners because that's a big thing since the commission that they have to have those conversations with them. So they actually would be better off using our platform and having a subscription. They can constantly keep going in, learning more about it and updating their wills and powers of attorney each year um, as opposed to just getting a one-off from a law firm. Um, with the businesses, obviously the business are going to be using documents all the time for all their, all their employment agreements or whatever contracts are going on. And it's not just the documents. They're using a lot of the video sessions. So even if they've got all their own documents in place already, they might have a contract come in, they need someone to review. They, they could have all these other things that are coming in. So they are constantly using the video sessions more than the documents. Got it. Okay. Thanks, thanks for those questions, Tony. Um, I've got a list of questions there, but I'm very aware if we sat here, we, we would run out of time, and, and that's a bit of a risk in these sessions generally anyway. Um, so of the questions I've got, I'm really just going to focus on one. Firstly, well, first thing I'm going to say, um, in terms of the problem you're solving, I get that. I can see that. I think you've described that very well. I think there's little doubt about there is a need and a demand out there for the kind of services you're you're talking about. So that's a major hurdle that's always got to be overcome in these things. I think you've addressed that very well. Tick. Um, what I'm slightly more concerned about, though, um, is we hear a lot about how AI is going to implement is going to impact in the whole of the legal profession in the future. About how a lot of these services will be capable of a very high degree of automation. 
Is that what you're talking about, or are you talking about something that is a step towards that? Because the impression I've got so far is we're talking about a step in that direction but not that whole not that whole hog yeah john the reason that we haven't gone all the way down the ai path we've used a little bits of ai I'd say in the chat but that's already built in but um the reason that we can't go down that with legal advice is because once you use ai and it's not actually a lawyer that's doing the advice you don't get legal liability insurance for it i've already gone down this path with a chat but that was an ai and it was it essentially it looked as i was giving legal advice and um i had a, um, a bit of a talk with the law society about it and they weren't comfortable with it so ai can't necessarily replace the lawyers it can only help us with document um, generation it can help guiding people through matters um, but the actual advice has to come from the lawyers okay so you're saying that that model that's been held out as a potential future solution might not be commercially viable because of the current rules in the system it can it can work behind the scenes for the lawyers to actually speed up what they're doing and that's what's happening a lot of the time in legal Got they're it. using ai inside the law firms okay just to very quickly clarify again for everyone who's listening, AI, we're talking about here again, it's all jargon, but it's about yeah. artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence, good point. So everyone yeah, so on, sorry, the, on the news every day and what Google and everyone else is doing. We fall into this lingo. But I think, I think that's something to be aware of because, again, a lot, often in these things we will see there's, thing, there's something called the threat of new technology that, mm. can, cha that can change things. Um, and, and often we see regulatory things, you know, preventing cha changes. Although it's not unknown for companies to come along and just drive a coach and horses through the regulation. A company named Uber springs to mind, for example. But that's another topic for another day. Um, <laughs> Simon, I'm sure you've got some questions. Oh, okay, Katie, how are you? Good to see you again. Uh, Katie and I did a road trip across uh, Queensland uh, like two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it was really, really enjoyable road trip. But a couple of questions that we've always, as, as, we, as you came across on the road, was really about was your why and your passion of why you're doing this. Because at the end of the day, when the, hill gets, when the hill gets high and you start climbing that hill and you feel like giving up, there's something that's going to get you up in the morning and keep you driving. So can you please explain to me what is your real motivation? I think we talked about this before. What is your real motivation for doing this? Yeah, so um, Simon, as we talked about the other week, is that um, you know, I've, I've lived through this. Like, I get it. I understand how people feel when they actually don't have the ability to work out what to do next. And it's, um, it doesn't mean that you have to be able to completely solve their problem, but if you give them some kind of guide to help them get from the position they're in to one step further ahead, they generally can make better decisions as to what they're going to do next. Um, and, um, you know, like in growing up as a tiny country town, there was only one lawyer um, in town, and, and there were, you know, a couple of thousand people so they can only look after half of everyone and i guess at the end of the day when when you're used to sort of you know not not being that person that can afford to do things i i guess it sort of makes you feel like you you're not entitled to have the same as everyone else and i don't want people feeling like they're not entitled to something just because they weren't born with money or they were born in a regional area it's like everyone should have a right to get basic legal help it's you know we found a way to make medicare um you know give services for for medical to everyone we have to find a way to make legal work as well i mean that was very clear that's very powerful and, and for, for angel investors sometimes it's not just about the the financials it's not just about the business case it's about the passion of why mm -hmm. and and for uh for many for many angel investors they get taken drawn in by your passion and your drive and you need you need to solve a problem and people can identify with that and really understand that for some people, most, some angel investors, it's not about the investment at all. It's about changing the world and making a difference in the world and finding, finding entrepreneurs who are driven, like yourself, who want to change 
change the, the future and make a difference. And I think that's very much a powerful thing about angel investing as well. It's not just about the investment. It's about making a real impact on the future of, of, of our country and, and, and the future. But again, then it comes down to the business case. So another big point was competitors. So one of the big questions we had on the road was there's a number of competitors in this space um, and why are you different and how are you going to step all over them and climb to the top? Yeah, so um, so the major competitors we're seeing, there's, there's really three competitors. One of the competing factors is actually people doing absolutely nothing, and that's still an option for people to do, and it doesn't work out well for them. They can't afford to go to the lawyers, uh, so that's the sole problem initially. The third option is the template providers. But as we discussed earlier on, with templates, people don't know what's inside the templates, so they're going to either contract out of rights they would have had if they had no document at all, um, and it still doesn't get them from A to Z. So what they really need is they need someone that literally finds a way even in a tech sense to hold their hand through that journey and say okay this is where you are now this is where you need to get to these are the steps you need to follow sure you can use some kind of template to do that but this is what you actually need to do so it's basically completely imitating what a lawyer would be doing um, and creating that into in a tech format so that they can't make mistakes it's all geotags they can't get the wrong information it sees where their ip address is unless they ask for a different location and it slots all the right clauses in so they can't actually make a mistake around what they're doing, but they only have to answer simple questions and the system does it. Basically, you detect which, which, um, like which state they're in to make yeah, sure right. they comply yeah. with the state laws or the, or the country laws. Let's yeah. clarify that. What's that geolocation, which means yeah, that's that's right. a, he knows where you are, basically. Yeah. Um, so the, the, real, the, real, the real question is, there's, how is the traction going in terms of... of, of is that what's drawing people to your platform? Is that what you think is going to be the magic formula that's going to get you to be that? You know, you talked very much about the exit, which is the next thing we're going to talk about. You talked about the exit. Is this the thing that's going to really drive people? Is that is the ability to use them and understand? Is that the really the really the thing that's going to get them on the ground? And have you validated that? That's another important thing. Have you yeah. validated that? So what we've been doing for the last nine months is um, that we actually had launched the product in a slightly different way. And um, we've actually been testing with our customers constantly the last nine months. And we've slightly pivoted to actually work out how to cut the lawyer's time down. Initially, we actually had the lawyers coming in at a slightly lesser rate so that they did cut the time down, but it was mostly about um, also having that affordable rate. But then you can't get the lawyers actually getting to do all the work because they don't want to work for a lesser rate for a long period. Um, so we've had to sort of pivot in the market and we constantly test. So every time we have, have someone on board, we then go back and test our market again. So um, it's just really important to us to make sure we're really solving the pain point at the time, not just what we thought it might have been six months ago. And that's where the AI could come in as well in the future. We can actually accommodate that into what we're doing. That's great. Katie, thank you. Well, Simon, thank you for those questions. Katie, thank you for those very interesting answers. I'm just going to cover off one very brief, quick thing uh, because there's this con there was an ask of some money, which is great. So one of the quick things we do like to find out about is, well, if you get your $500,000, what would that be spent on? Yeah, okay, so um, the majority of that's going to be spent on um, the team salaries in building out around Australia so that we absolutely nail Australia because um, a lot of people may not realise but every set of Australia is almost like going into a brand new country because it's all completely different laws. So we're building out Australia and then from there we're going to start building out the New Zealand platform um, and then 12 to 24 months after that we'll then start looking overseas. That's great, fantastic, good answer, thank you very much indeed. One just thing I will just cover very briefly is uh, Kate, Kate alluded to something called a safe note which is which actually stands for a simple agreement for future equity which is 
kind of a hybrid between a debt instrument and equity. It's far too technical to go into now. Google it if you really want to know about it. Okay? It's kind of like a promise <laughs> note, isn't it? Uh, we'll give you some money and down the track yeah, that we can saying, come back we and ask for equity. We will sell you some equity at some point in the future based on a discount, based on a whole load of other things. Mm. Uh, it, it simplifies a number of things, but in my opinion, it increases a little bit of risk for the investors. But they, we could have a whole debate about that. Let's not go into that one now. And <laughs> no doubt we will on another night of Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey. A couple of minutes away from 8 o'clock. Gosh, time is going fast yet again. Katie, Law on Earth, that was magnificent. Thank you very much. Do we have any last words that uh, our angel investors in the studio would like to to say? Well done for being the first ever pitch on the radio. That's what I think. Thank you. Yeah, for me, and again, this is just for everyone at home, uh, congratulations. The way you narrated that was was brilliant. Just also so people understand what normally happens from this point is we don't just suddenly make a decision. We would normally fill out a piece of paper in the tonight saying who in the room is interested in having a further conversation with you. So there might be typically between 10 to 20 angels turn up at any one of these pitches, and then out of that... There might be five people in the room that are particularly interested because they believe in the cause, they might actually know the industry, or they might believe in you. And then that will be the conversation that would follow, and then that would happen as Simon uh, takes you around the roadshow. And if you can get 20, 30, 50 people from across the states, then that's how that typically works. So at this point in time, our questions, which we're not going to do on air, would be, are we interested? Do we want to know more information? And then we'd get in contact later. But that's just sort of rounds then out this there's process. There's a process called due diligence, but we'll talk about that later on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we'll be back in just a moment and we'll be looking forward to our next pitch here at Bay FM. Has it been a long time since you've been to the dentist? What are you waiting for? Bay FM 100.3. This is Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey and a very slightly different Searchlight program tonight. We've got uh, Redlands Angels in the studio with us. We have John Burkett and we have Simon Horn and Tony Wheeler. And they are listening to live pitches, people who are uh, pitching to our angel investors. If you have any interest in, in finding more about what these pitches are and, and wanting to, to find out more about what we're doing with Startup Redlands, Angel Redlands Investing, etc. and so forth, how can people get more information, John? What you do is you point your web browser to www.redlandsangels.com.au and look in the top there, there's a whole lot of information there, but actually go to the top right-hand side and you can see members join. If you're, if you're interested in possibly investing in the future, join as a member of Redlands Angels. Or if you're interested in, in pitching in the future, then just hit the Contact Us button. Excellent. Now, um, Katie is probably on her way home at the moment going, whew, <laughs> done it, <laughs> finished. Katie, got a message for you that came through on our SMS. I just listened to Katie's pitch. Katie, Katie has accurately determined an aperture in the market. This is a great concept and also very needed. 100% support her and her concept, Zane. There you go, Katie. Congratulations. You've got yours. Now, uh, with our angel investors in the studio, I would like to ask John Burkett to introduce our next pitch. Pitch number two is Nick Robertson from SwapU. Nick hails from a background in hospitality. He was once the chef and nutritionist for Cirque du Soleil, which later morphed into a career in teaching. 
More recently, though, he's become a well-known, uh, well-known figure in the Brisbane startup ecosystem as the community ambassador for Brisbane's River City Labs startup hub. His main passion now, though, is bartering and how that can drive a new level of economic activity with his startup Swap You. Nick, it's welcome to the show, or welcome back. You were a guest of ours last year. Thank you, John. Thanks for, thanks for having me, and thanks for inviting me along. I really appreciate it. Uh, the opportunity to, to talk to all, all your listeners too so uh, thanks very much and thanks Sharon as well thanks for having me our pleasure I'm looking forward to hearing your pitch oh me too me too <laughs> <laughs> it should be Breathe. fun this is great <laughs> so Nick are you ready to go yeah ready when you are John Let's jolly go. good for uh, your, your time starts now alright well think of all the items that sit in your cupboard and in your garage that go unused Now think about how much money you'll be wasting if those items go into landfill. Imagine a a world where the goods that you don't want are passed on and in return you receive goods that you do want without spending money. Picture the experiences and opportunities now open to you and imagine the money saved and the waste averted. Everyone has something that they don't want or need. What do you have? If you couldn't sell it, what would you swap it for? Would you believe that on average there's $5,800 worth of unwanted goods in your home right now? That equates to a second-hand economy valued at $46 billion in Australia alone. But how can we get all of that value redistributed? What if we found an agreement of value other than through the medium of cash, an agreed value? This is possible, but we're missing something. What we need is a marketplace of items available for swap that provides convenience and it must be simple to use. So easy to use, in fact, that it will make swapping and bartering as accessible as any form of online shopping. SwapU was created to do this. So our purpose is to connect you, to connect the customer to new experiences and opportunities by unlocking the value that sits in your unused and unwanted items. And to do this by utilising the existing logistics channels. So swap everything. What we call it is ownership involved. Evolved. So our, our ambition, we've got great ambition for SwapU. We want to become the world leader in goods redistribution. We want to help people save money. We want to help people have more experiences that were once locked behind the wall of cash. We want to decrease carbon emissions. We can do that by increasing swapping. And we want to connect the community through swapping. So who's the team? The team's myself and Jeff Osborne. Jeff is our CTO. So what's our traction so far? Well, so far we've got 6,000 downloads. You can download us on the App Store and on Google Play. We've got over 1,500 items listed to the value of half a million dollars, and we've had over 1,000 swapping transactions. We partner with our delivery companies, Sendal and One3Cabs, and we've also got a statement of support from Planet Arc. So first of all, before I go ahead, I've got to go back to why SwapU was created, and that started from the, the question, is bartering and swapping a viable business model? We wanted to find out because uh, really that's, that's what it's about. We wanted to find out if what we were doing was worth it. So many have tried this before. It's a model that is, has inherent challenges. However, throughout our research and, and our discussions with our customers, we discovered some important points. Firstly, not everyone swaps, but some do, and they love it. Also, people wish to swap, but they don't have the means to do it easily. Thirdly, research has taught us what people swap and why they swap. 
We also learnt that if you can help the customer, they will pay for the service and convenience. We've also learned as well, the swap transaction is the impotence for other transactions. On top of that, we know now that cash is still necessary during some transactions, so it's not just a swapping only uh, marketplace that we have now. And finally, agreed value is vital. But interest, interestingly, that does not always equate to perceived cash value. So that, that brought us down to identify the main problem. The main problem uh, is a problem that's known for a long time in the bartering community, and that is the double coincidence of wants. So in essence, this means that you, you have to have what I want when I want it, and I have to have what you want when you want it. For the customer, this means hours of searching, looking for the perfect swap. The customer knows that swapping will save the money, but does not have the means or time. On top of this, people also hate going to strangers' houses to, buy, to pick up second-hand uh, goods. So we've come up with our solution. So our solution is a swap-generating engine connected to existing supply chains. So our solution is we're going to use advanced mixed integer programming techniques to power our swapping en engine. So the advanced optimization algorithms will help swap you overcome the problems which have beset similar systems, which is poor quality swaps. By inputting users, user preferences and objects into the developed engine, Swap will be able to output optimal swaps which make for a seamless, customised customer experience. For all of those generated swaps, Swap will connect its users to the delivery companies to, to assist in convenience. So where do we get our revenue from? Well, subscriptions and boosted posts, firstly. Second of all, deliveries. Thirdly, uh, which is under investigation at the moment, is we're looking into carbon credit units. On top of that, there's click-through advertising as well as pay, uh, partnerships and the evolving world of tokenization, which is token-only marketplaces or crypto payments. The important point to, to note here is with, with our revenue opportunity, the, the, they lie before and after a swap occurs. You just have to help the swap to occur first and then you can see where the money will come after. So what's our total addressable market? Well, so far we have over, there's over a million members, Facebook buy, swap and sell groups in Brisbane alone. Uh, you probably know, probably many of our listeners are members themselves. There's thousands of people who attend swap meets weekly. On top of that, add to the, to the $46 billion secondhand economy uh, in, in Australia. As well as that, we've got the increased awareness of alternate currencies and the $26 billion value of the circular economy uh, in Australia in, by 2025. So our competitors, now our competitors are, are the big guys. We've got Facebook Marketplace, we've got Gumtree, we've got eBay. On top of that, there's the other swapping platforms um, that, that exist and have tried and failed before us. Uh, so what we do, though, what they don't have, they don't focus on swapping. They don't focus on value other than money. We look to uh, connect our swappers through our swapping engine and to promote bartering, to pr promote negotiation and to get our users using our app as it's meant to be, to barter. So why me and why now? Well, there's no better time than now, given the changes that we've had over the past 12 months. Um, people are re-evaluating what's important to them. 
On top of that, we've got alternate currencies. We've got people who are looking at paying for things through other things other than fiat currency, and bartering and exchanges is one of them. Uh, so it's, it's an exciting time for us. Why me? Well, why not? That's going to go over well. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> um, so my ask, what's my ask? Actually, my ask is for $150,000 for 10%. So um, that, what that's going to do is that's going to help us with our marketing, that's going to help us with our development, uh, that's going to help us grow and reach out in, and help people. So that's what, that's what really we can do. That's a unique thing that with SwapU is we, we can help people uh, save money and decrease waste. Uh, so help me make swapping the new online swapping, shopping. Well done. I like that as a tagline. <laughs> Even though I didn't get it right. <laughs> Can I do okay, it again? Rewind. Right. Take, two. Take two. Help me make swapping the new online shopping. Ooh. Yay. There we go. There Nick Robertson, that was awesome. That was a fantastic pitch. And like last time, what we will do is just we'll give Nick the chance to take a breath, oh. have a glass of water. <laughs> Bring the breathing back down to normal. We'll give our angels in the studio the opportunity to finish taking their notes. They too were writing frenetically, frantically, taking notes about everything that uh, just occurred right, I'm in ready the, for the pitch. Questions. We will do that in just a moment. This is Bay FM 100.3 and Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey. Searchlight on Bay FM 100.3. Connect with us by SMS on 0468 86 1003. Love it. Doobies, black water. Bay FM 100.3. Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey, and we're having an interesting night tonight. It's uh, the Redlands Angels Group. We've got three of them here in the studio with us live, and we're doing pitches live. So we've just heard from Nick and Swap You. Now, let me just clarify Swap You is S W A P, the letter U. .com.au, and you can download it. Uh, at the website, it'll take you to a link to the App Store or Google Play and uh, just register and start swapping. Okay, so if you really enjoyed that pitch, that's what you can do. What's the website again? Swapu.com.au. Okay, so Nick has had a breathe, he's had a glass of water, he's come back into the studio and he's ready to answer the questions from our angels right here in the studio. Start off with Jumba Cat. So, well, so question and answer time now. So we're going to ask Grant. We're going to try and blitz through these moderately quickly. So I'm going to throw it over to Simon and ask him to throw the first question. At okay. Hey, Nick. How are you? Good to see you again. So uh, thanks for, for coming, uh, coming along uh, today and giving your pitch. The couple of questions I've got to ask is you're in a two-sided marketplace. Is what we call a two-sided marketplace where you've got to build up the people who want to swap things and the people who want things that is correct, a two-sided marketplace. Mm. And you're really focused on customer to customer. Yep. So uh, from, from an angel's perspective, that's a really hard, hard yes. market to crack. It's mm. a global market. 
So as as not as as previously we we have we saw Katie. Katie talks about legal, which is which is a, a very tight vertical. When you talk about swapping, we're talking about swapping a whole lot of things. Mm. Have you thought about concentrating on particular verticals to to basically own a particular vertical? So what I mean by a vertical is means like swapping uh, coins, for instance, or swapping um, you know, or maybe trading in or swapping cars. I think I spoke to you about yep. you know trading up your vehicles. Is that there's a wonderful show on uh, on Netflix where you can trade up your vehicles and that was a one of them popped straight in my head but mm. but have you thought about a vertical where you could could particularly particularly own uh yeah th- yes uh, there's with swapping the the main focus is you've got to look at what swapped and why so the the, the main things that that are swapped are things that which have been used but still have a, an extended lifespan afterwards so things like games or music or children's clothes once they've grown out of them so they still have a use they still have a value it's just sometimes they're harder to to sell and they're also within a group within a community group like mums like gamers so so th- so swapping what we found was only for certain people some of the time it's not something that everybody will do all the time so it's it's a very rarely used um transaction but if you can get a lot of people to do it then that overcomes that that issue. Is there any particular? What I mean by is it, we call it a go-to market strategy. Right. Well, what I mean is you're going to concentrate on a particular. So the, what what sort of scares angel investors is you're taking on so much so, so early on. Yeah. So we do. We do. Uh, you we, end up being if you try to be everything to everyone, you'll end up being nothing to anyone. That's right. So what I mean by is that have you tried looking at a particular vertical yep. that you can absolutely nail? So first of all, we're going with gamers. So we're la- launching our first uh, test. Well, it's not really a test, but it's a our first version for is going to be straight to gamers. So gamers, because what that does, it fil- fulfills our deliveries. So what we do is we we connect with delivery companies. And what do you mean by gamers? Is that like board games or is it like oh, digital uh, no, games? Uh, yeah. So uh, people who play PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four, the new PlayStation Five, Xbox. So they all have physical games, which are you know about the size of an envelope, a bit mm-hmm. bigger. So they're possible to be posted. They pay them pay ninety hundred dollars for them. Then what happens is those games they can trade in. They might only get twenty dollars for them. But if they could swap it, they could swap it for another game that's they couldn't buy they, they would normally sorry buy for ninety dollars so they've saved money so what they're doing and as soon as they finish the game they're done with the game it goes on the shelf quite often they don't want to play the game anymore so uh, what they do is they want to they want to move it around so that's where swapping is unique and that's why gaming is our first our first vertical okay thank you tony do you have some questions I think my my questions build on what Simon's been asking. Um, as he as he says, it's a, this is a tough market. Um, what I'm thinking through here is, I, I love the question about the verticals. I think that's incredibly important to narrow the focus. Otherwise, you're building a platform and just wishing that everyone actually uh, comes to it. Um, so having the verticals is really important. When you talk about gaming. I was just actually feeding off your last comment now and you start talking about doing swaps with uh, physical games and if I go to EEA games or whatever down the stores you can see all the places where they're doing reselling of cheap stuff Mm. the big mover at the moment in this space seems to be digital assets Mm. so selling or building NFTs, non-fungible tokens for basically uh, digital assets Um, so it's, it's interesting that the 
what I'm what I'm grappling with. So there will be a question here at the end of this because I'm still getting my head around it. Is it's very particular markets that are going to engage in the process of swapping or trading. That's right. To start have a building a business model that is focused on ad revenue and so forth. Because you described yourself, you said this is a transaction that doesn't occur that regularly for an individual. So therefore, you're always having to bring new customers onto the platform. Yep. Which for an investor is a horrible business model. Uh, we actually love it where you can bring a customer on once and then sell them repeatedly a monthly subscription for the next 50 years. If you're having to take on new customers every month, then the marketing, the go-to-market strategy and the cost of that is enormous. Uh, customer acquisition cost, CAC, is incredibly high. Um, so thinking about how do I build the community? Who is my community? How do I compete? As you say, you talked about Marketplace, um, Gumtree, eBay. The, the big unspoken one I didn't hear you mention there was obviously Bartercard. And there's a whole community and culture around Bartercards, which I mm. guess they were the ones that started this. They were ahead of their times, but there's actually a lot of competition now. You've mentioned crypto. Uh, so they've actually just released yeah, coin. coin. Yeah. So I guess what I'm looking for is, yeah, what's that unique, specific entry point? What's going to be your ground? And I'm hearing you say gaming. I'm, I'm not convinced that that's strong enough right now, so I'm really hoping that there's, there's a little bit more to this that says this is our entry point, this is the thin edge yeah. of the wedge, this is how we're going to build our community, this is how we're going to build brand loyalty, customer loyalty, reduce our client acquisition costs, yep. and actually build a sustainable yeah. business model. Yeah, so that's, that's, um, and that's, where our, that's where our swapping chain comes in. So that, this, is, this is a unique product. So, so the thing that we've created is something that nobody else has and i'm not going to get too much into it this is strange because I, I have we want to launch it it's it's something that is so essentially okay i'll, I'll spill the beans so essentially what it is it's a swapping chain let, let me just stop you excuse me let's stop you there for one second because we are we, we are cognizant of the fact we are on air right so if there is some secret sauce like the kfc secret herbs and spices or whatever Absolutely. that no, okay. we're suddenly so we've got everyone else listening to and you want to talk about that off air yeah then we can do so but that certainly would be one of my follow-up questions for you is i'd want to understand more about that right so essentially what we've what we've done with our swapping chain what as we believe it is it's it's our moat so that's something that's unique to us that that we uh that will bring people in and will bring a lot of people in and it will make a difference so for us it's it, there's elements of gamification within our swapping chain so that's that's the that's the point of difference that we that we offer that nobody else will be offering so that's that's something we'll want people will want to play Okay, so that's obviously a conversation we'll have to have offline yeah. <laughs> and it ties into the whole circular economy and yeah, I'm, I'm curious at the moment whether it's more of an impact investment than a real ROI investment, So, but there's lots more conversations to have. But yeah. I'm going to take a slightly thanks, thanks different tack and uh, just drill into a sec to the, to the current level of traction that you've got. So uh, is revenue being generated currently? Yeah. No, no, no. So okay. we're not generating revenue currently. Essentially what we've done is... Um, I think I received a head knock, and that meant that I wanted to throw a lot of money down the train. <laughs> no, it's not a lot of money. Mum and Dad, it's not a lot of money. Mum. <laughs> it's not a lot of money. It's Maybe that's another one to take offline. Um, so, no. But j j just carrying on from that, though. Uh, okay, I mean, that's an okay response. I mean, that's, you know, that, can, that can sometimes be the case. 
Given that, though, uh, we would then need to know is, well, what is the plan for revenue generation? So you've alluded right. to um, subscriptions, boosted posts, uh, clipping the ticket on deliveries, that sort of thing. I'm guessing the ma- in the short term, the majority of the revenue is likely to come from subscriptions. Would that be correct? Subscriptions and uh, boosted posts. On top of that is our uh, delivery fee that we, that we add to our deliveries for helping okay. to find the swap. Uh, so as well as that, uh, as we progress, there'll be click-through advertising that we'll bring in because we're a marketplace. We're rich in keywords. We're rich in 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 that um, okay. in that area. Have you been able to progress, progress your future business modelling to the point where you can arrive at an average revenue per customer for the future? We we're working on that. There's a there's somebody that's working on that on that with me but okay. yeah we do have we do have that information you've got that coming yeah, along that's, okay yeah because i think as and it's been alluded to slightly by my my fellow angels in the room which is that the the, the bit the bit of the model i mean it, i love a lot about it and, and i can i get the whole sort of growing bartering growing swapping i i get all that i think what i'm most concerned about is is the irregularity of the transactions yes and therefore the likely irregularity of the revenue stream yep. given the cost of acquisition of a customer as tony's mm. already alluded to i'm just having trouble making those stack in my head no i would love to see a set of numbers that will do that but obviously that's the kind of thing we do uh, in the next stage of the process that's the due diligence process where we drill into all of that stuff um but for me that that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of point I'm going, mm, I'm, I'm, I like it, but I'm, from an investment point of view, it's like, does it work? And, that's, and that's a fair point because that, that's what every bartering and swapping app website company has always come across. Mm. They come across that issue. So that's the issue that, w- that was the problem that we aimed to solve, which was the double coincidence. Right. So what our swapping pool does in a, in a sentence essentially is no longer is there just two people trying to connect with each other now there's a hundred people now there's a thousand people as many people as we can get into the pool now we make a link okay, out so of those people. i've got something that i want to swap you've got something you want to swap but it's not what i want to swap but there's a third person who might right. want to swap between exactly us. right yeah. so there's three ways and but that could be four or five or so that, or that could be as many people as many people as as you can and what we do is we connect those 100 people, 1,000 people, whatever it is, and no longer am I swapping directly with you. Now Mm -hmm. I'm swapping with Simon. Simon's sending his items to you, and it becomes a triangle. So that's our algorithm allows that to occur. So it's based on a a, a university uh, kidney swapping chain, actually. So imagine if we weren't to be doing swapping with goods. You needed a kidney. And I've got a kidney for that I might you. might take a bit more seriously. Yeah, I okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so now I'm getting an actual. <laughs> this, and, and That's a good analogy, actually. Well, it, it, it works. Yeah. That there's a, um, they do it in, in one of the university. I can't, it's not kind of come to yeah. my head at the moment. But it's, it's a kidney swapping chain. And there's up to 100 swaps with this, this kidney's chain because people just connect based on needs. And the, and the chain works it out. So... Um, we won't be swapping kidneys on swap. No, either. clearly. 
Um, uh, however, that's an interesting. You might have worked into your pitch. That sounded like a really good story, but there we go. So that's fantastic, Nick. That's been absolutely wonderful. Just remind us again, if anybody is interested just in swapping something, where should they go to? Uh, they should go to swapu.com.au and uh, tell us about the app. And if you've got any feedback, please please email me. Uh, my my uh, email is on the uh, website. And thanks very much, everyone, for having me. And thank you for being our pitch number two for the evening. So uh, so there we go. Oh, Tony wants to chip in. I was just going to uh, have a final comment. So if anyone's listening mm. out there and that basically does want to go to that app, I'd really encourage you to do so because what we've just heard with Nick's uh, dilemma, I'm going to call it tonight, is how do you convince investors that this is a viable business model? And yet the what the problem you're trying to solve is is one of the greatest problems facing our planet right now. If we think about the amount of waste, the amount of plastic uh, waste, clothing waste, everything else, everything you said that's still high value but ends up in our dumps and our tips and everything else, we've got to solve this problem at a global level. Our question is, how do we make it attractive enough to actually have a commercial process behind it to get mainstream investors, or do you actually pursue a different type of investment, which is impact investing, where people are actually saying, I'm not actually really looking for the return on your money, but I actually want to get behind what you're doing and really support this cause and actually go that way. So it's an interesting dilemma, but I encourage everyone out there to get onto it and do as much swash, uh, swapping and bartering as we possibly can because the world needs it. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. So that's great. Okay, Nick, thank you very much indeed. We'll be back very shortly. Uh, we're just going to wrap up and ready for our pitch number three. You're listening to Bay FM 100.3, the heart and the soul of the Bay. Heard about the brilliant new restaurant and bar in Cleveland? It's called... History never repeats. Well, fingers crossed it doesn't tonight. <laughs> Bay FM 100.3. This is Searchlight, the Entrepreneur's Journey. You're with Sharon, Simon, Tony, and. Did I do. John. Yes. It's, oh, John, I'm <laughs> so sorry. I you it's, okay. it's okay. I'm just hiding here in the corner. Don't there worry about it. Go. My partner in crime, partner on air, and I actually forgot. <laughs> Duh. My apologies. And we also have in the studio uh, our third pitch for the evening, Ali. Uh, we'll get to Ali in just a moment. Uh, if you've been joining the, the journey tonight and you've been thoroughly enjoying it like we have, this is, uh, it's kind of like Shark Tank sort of ish on radio where we've got our investors, our angel community here in the studio live listening to the pitches. We have our pitches uh, explaining what their startup is about, what their journey is, what problem are they solving in the world. And it's been a fascinating journey so far. Thoroughly enjoying it. If you want to find out more about what the angel community and the, the Redland startup community is about, whether as an investor or as um, someone who wants to pitch. John, what well, do we there's, do? there's a couple of places to go to. So uh, Redlands Angels is the local angel group, and if you're interested in connecting with the angel group, finding out more about angel investment, what you need to have in place to be an angel investor, you know, you've got to qualify as something called a sophisticated investor. I won't drill into the technical detail of that at this stage, but all of that kind of stuff. If this interests you in general, please get in touch with us. Go to www.redlandsangels.com.au. That's if you're more interested in the sort of this more formalized process that we're kind of exposing everybody to here this evening. There is, though, uh, what I sometimes refer to as the entry point for that, which is uh, something else that I'm involved with called Startup Redlands, which is really a much more relaxed, fun uh, networking event. Unfortunately, for obvious reasons, we haven't been able to have one of those for a 
little while. Hoping to get it up and running soon due to the pandemic. Uh, We're hoping to get that up and running as well. But that's where somebody you can come along and do a pitch in a very informal, maybe it's the first time you've ever pitched, uh, in a very informal, fun networking environment. Connect with people, connect with the local ecosystem. Hopefully we'll have those back up and running very soon as well. But if you're interested in that, go to www.startupredlands.com dot com dot au so the two things they cover off the two different ends of that spectrum effectively so that's uh, and this evening we are representing Redlands Angels so we're doing this uh, you know you're, you're hearing you're hearing the process we would normally go through in a regular pitch evening uh, and again just to be clear the pitches have been given to uh, the Redlands Angels members here in the studio uh, and we're letting you guys listen in for fun and entertainment and you never know you might be interested get along to redlandsangels.com.au it is a fun fun journey so i hope you're enjoying it if you've missed any of tonight's show you are more than welcome to go across to the bay fm webpage in a couple of days because we we podcast this so you can go and have a listen from bayfm.org.au you can also listen from you can also listen from entrepreneursjourney.net.au where you can find the whole list of the podcasts as well as uh, how to connect with Startup Redlands and apply to be on the various pitch programs that we have. Exactly. So there's a lot here to support you. And if you've got your own idea and you're just not quite sure of the next steps and you want to be in a position like Ali is in and you want to be able to pitch, then go to entrepreneursjourney.net. Net, Net. And, uh, and connect with us. This is Bay FM 100.3. Our third and final pitch for the evening. Would you like to introduce Ali? Our third and final pitch for the evening is uh, Ali Galdari from Compago. Ali describes himself as having lived and worked in two different worlds. Many of his family live in Dubai, so he has a significant experience dealing with managing different cultural backgrounds. He's also a great proponent of diversity. He's also passionate about, and some might say obsessed with, uh, improving quality in the aged care sector, all of which needs naturally to has been CEO of aged tech company Compago. Ali, good evening and welcome to the programme. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, a part of, part of being an angel investor is that you usually get involved with a number of companies as an angel investor. So either you're an investor or you mentor or you support. And so as part of that, whenever you come in you hear a pitch that's similar to what you've been associated with before, you are obliged to advise everybody in the room that you may have a conflict of interest and you manage your own conflict of interest. Okay, so in this particular case, I have been associated with a company that's similar but not the same. And uh, I'm going to advise everybody in the room of that case so that my advice has, you know, so that I'm managing that conflict of interest. It's, it's all about disclosure. Yes. Absolutely. Disclosure is the key word. And so Ali, if you are comfortable, <laughs> uh, we can continue. Certainly am. Certainly am. All good. Well, I was giving him the option. Nah, all good. <laughs> Um, so good evening. Thank you for thank you, John and Sharon, for the introduction. Um, thank you for having me on the show tonight. I'm always always love traveling to the Redland Bay area. It's a beautiful part of the world. Um, as we've been quite involved with Redland Bay City Council and community organizations like Community Resourcing, ran by Anne Livingston, she's always championed Compago as she's heavily involved in helping to solve and bridge the gaps in the aged care industry. Without further ado, the pitch. It's no secret that the aged care industry is massively fragmented and it's starting to fail us. After all, the sector just went through a royal commission, a, a four-year long and tedious process 
to dive in all the problems within the sector, which we'll be discussing. I'll be discussing that and diving into that a little bit later. I joined Compago early 2018 as an angel investor and invested capital as I truly believed we are solving a problem. I too was disconnected to my grandparents for over 10 years due to the geopolitical tensions within the Middle Eastern region. At Compago, our vision has been very simple, to enable and ensure every single person is supported to live their best possible life using technology. And from our findings, the best way to achieve this is to help trusted care providers. So the Compago solution can have an immense impact and support many, many lives. Our mission is to create a software framework to help care providers to connect to care recipients and their family and friends, to streamline both back-end and front-end processes, increase efficiencies, reduce costs, and give the care recipients a voice, a choice, and transparency of their care journey. The shift is not more so focused on delivering, is more so focused on delivering customer-centered care, similar to the NDIS scheme. The Compago solution is a multifaceted software system that encompasses all key stakeholders involved. An administration dashboard, a care worker portal, a client portal, and a family portal. In other words, a digital care management system to allow care providers to manage their customers and engage with them on a daily basis and allow all loved ones to be a part of their care journey. This then eliminates the current admin-heavy processes, dependencies on paper, archaic legacy software systems that don't work properly. At Compago, our solution is built on cutting-edge technology. Right here in Brisbane, in-house development team with onshore data centers to ensure all the data is secure and safe, to give that trust that we want to give to our end users, which allows the solution to sustain the problems within the sector and to be scalable, and for us to create a real, real impact. Now, I want to take you on a timeline of events. October 2018, the Royal Commission into the Aged Care began. Most care providers were not ready, and, it's, and it, it depended on reporting back to the Commission, all of them being paper-based, having Excel sheets, and running like headless chickens trying to get everything in one place to, to report back. As the time grew, a lot of scandals, abuse, misuse of funds was reported and was put on the spotlight. ABC docos, segments on media outlets, all scandals being nationwide. Mid, fast forwarding that to mid-March 2020, COVID-19 pandemic, lockdowns for our vulnerable Australians, which created a massive disconnect. The pandemic was a catalyst to adopt technology in all industries, but especially especially in the aged care space. A good example of that is how Compagos supported a home care provider. We facilitate telehealth services to clients in inner city and rural areas of Queensland, which allowed vulnerable Australians to connect with their loved ones and receive care through the, through the trusted care providers, through our system. Early 2021, after the, fin of, of the findings have come out, we have 148 recommendations that the Commission has released, pretty much summarizing the key role technology plays in this industry. Data sharing, a digital care management system, connectivity, 
data security, and many, many more. The market opportunity in Australia is that there's a massive aging population. So currently, there's over 1,400,000 1, seniors. By 2030, by 2030, it's estimated to grow by 18.1%. There will be 5.4 million Australians over the age of 65 and 750,000 over the age of 75. No one wants to live in residential aged care facilities. We, we work, we, Compago works with home care providers to allow vulnerable seniors to get to age at home, to be able to get that comfort that they require, to have services delivered to their doorstep. Currently, there's an there's over $1 billion in unspent funds. $25 billion has been spent in this industry in the, la in the financial, 19, financial year of 19 to 2021, with more, being, uh, more money being allocated to service to, to continue to deliver high quality of care in home as there is a continuous growing demand. Compago's traction in the last 12 months, over half a million dollars in revenue, over hundreds of thousands of minutes being utilized via the Compago Telehealth video feature to help care providers deliver online services and to allow seniors to connect with their loved ones. We work with five care providers, predominantly in the home care space. We're in negotiations with 10 or more home care providers who have a predominant focus in the home care space. And we've got ongoing projects like 4MBS Radio Station who developed Silver Memories application as a remnants therapy software, which we developed to give seniors a nostalgic feeling with classical music. Shout out to Gary Thorpe and their team. Um, think of it like Spotify for seniors. And finally, going through cybersecurity measures with a couple of government bodies as well. We're opening a seed round. We are engaging with investors to join our journey and bring value to the company as well, not only money. As we are hiring, we're going through a hiring spree to increase our footprint within Australia and to continue grow growth and help this fragmented industry and have a real impact for vulnerable Australians. We also are, with the, with the money that we will be raising, we want to start our, our ventures um, internationally and go into and expand into different markets with similar government frameworks as well Closely would be New Zealand, UK, Northern America, and finally, I have to really have a really soft spot for Japan because there's a massive aging population currently right now, and they've got a massive shortage of care workers. Thank you. Well done, Annie. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Lots of passion there. Lots of passion, Ali. You can have a, a nice drink of water and breathe. We will be back in just a moment with our angels who have again been frantically writing notes and they will ask their questions of you in just a moment. This is Bay FM 100.3, Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey. Rolling in the Deep, Adele at Bay FM 100.3, Searchlight and the Entrepreneur's Journey. And we've just heard our third and final pitch for the evening from Ali and Compago. And such a heart for our aged industry. And you're right, it is so broken. So I'm going to be listening to our angels in the studio 
because that's who Ali was um, pitching to our angels here in the studio at Bay FM. Very interested to find out what they thought of Ali's pitch. What questions and curiosities are they going to raise right now? Ali, it was a pitch with passion. Well done. Um, we like to see that. You know, we like to see some passion behind this stuff. Um, so I'm going to kick off the questioning this time. Um, look, I'm very impressed with, with a lot of what you're talking about there. And, and from my very limited knowledge of this space, I know it is ripe to have some serious stuff done to it i don't don't dispute that so i think is there is there a problem out there to be solved absolutely um what i'm what i'm not 100 percent clear on though is is what the shape of the business model is going to be i'm a little unclear about who is the who is the target customer and at the end of the day who is likely to pay money for the for the for the portal service i mean i get the idea of a portal service i get all that but who's the client? Who who is who is going to be who is the person who's going to pay money for this at the end of the day? John, that's actually a really really good question. Um, I'm going to refer back to Steve Baxter on this one because he was one of the one of our mentors and indirectly invested into Compago through the RCL fund. He mentioned to us all the time that who is going to pay for your product? Who is the actual person paying for your product? So it took us, and in all honesty, it took us a while to figure that out. Through the industry-specific knowledge that we have, our board, people around us who supported us throughout our journey, we finally found out that it's a multiple, multiple, multiple verticals. So predominantly, it's going to be, and that's why we're focusing on the business model being a B2B model, right? So we had to take three steps back, and now we're going to take four steps forward. Why? Because the B2B model makes the most sense. Because the providers, the aged care providers, are the ones who who's got the trust in that market. They've got the they've got the larger or, or a larger masses out there who are actually they're providing the services to. So our predominant focus is the aged care um, provider. So the actual care provider, they're the ones who hold the funds. But now, due to the thing that I mentioned um, with the Royal Commission. Their whole shift in funding model is going towards becoming more of an NDIS model. Um, giving the care packages to the actual seniors and their family and friends to make the final call. So there's a mandate on that. So the government has put a mandate on that that's saying that all care providers now have to spend all those, all that fund, those fund, the unspent funds. And if they don't, it will be taken away from them and it will be given da- directly to the actual seniors and their, their family, and fr- their family who are the primary family. So the, we, pr- we focus on the actual businesses to be able to onboard our software system, onboard our, our, our system, and then purchase it through their care packages. Take, take that money out of the care packages to be able to keep onboarding their, their okay, services. Okay, but, but in, all, in all of those scenarios, the likelihood is you're going to have to get it through or adopted in some way, shape, or form by the edge care providers. That's yeah? correct, yes. Right. Okay, that's probably all I need to know at this stage because yeah. that, that's, that's, that's kind of enough to answer that question. Uh, there's a raft of other questions I could ask on that, but sadly time precludes that, and my, and my, fellow, uh, my fellow angels in the room are also champing at the bit to answer questions so tony i'm sure you've got some questions would you uh anything you care to chip in with um i, I guess part of it's a uh, one of it's a question and part of it's an observation as well this is obviously a topic that's incredibly relevant to the audience that you're talking to right now in the redlands you talked about the demographics the demographics of the redlands is that it is an aging community um, for many good environmental and social reasons um, so there's a lot of people currently impacted and futurally impacted um 
including directly my own family. So we've become very familiar with the uh, NDIS framework and so on. So it's, it's actually somewhat similar to uh, John's question, but two parts. One is a question, one's an observation. The question, which I'll ask you to do with second, you talked about your 500,000 revenue thus far. I'd like to understand more about where that's come from. So it's a spin on what John asked before, who's actually paying right now? The other thing we often look for is sometimes there can be an amazing solution. Um, it can be the best technological solution. It can be the best moral solution. And I don't think there's anyone in the list, listener base that's actually going to argue with the fact that this is a broken system that needs fixing and that we want something better for the future. One of the things we often look at is barriers to entry. Mm. Um, so sometimes there will be competitors. Other times it will be the culture of the industry itself. And as you say, out of the over 100 recommendations that came out from the Royal Commission, a lot of them were actually focused at the culture. So when you look at the extreme levels of competitiveness between the service providers who are all now scrambling for money, uh, I was involved in this sector two or three years ago when this was all starting and watching the number of providers actually diminish. Um, it's, it's interesting. I'm curious how you're going to actually get that level of credibility in the marketplace as well to effectively become a broker between those with the money and those who are basically fighting for it because all they're going to potentially see is someone else who wants to take a cut. So it's an interesting switch between saying, am I a broker or am I actually seen as a competitor? I understand that's not what you're trying to achieve, but so much of that gets lost in the noise. So how are you going to deal with the politics and the complexity and who's paying you money so far or for what? Uh, thanks for that, Sony. Um, so... The current revenue we've had is, is a bit of a bit of everything. So it's the monthly recurring revenue through subscription, the subscription model that we have. So it's a monthly monthly um, monthly payment for per user per month, and we also had um, every time we go into a facility or in, into an organization, we have to have a customization c component to it as well because we have to link into their business models, and that's the key here. If we do not link into their business model and their business um, business management tools that they currently have we will not have a very strong product. Our product, it does have a component of the business component for the aged care provider and a social component as well. Okay, very quick question. So there's two pieces. So out of that 500, how much is set up revenue? How much is recurring revenue? Um, I would say it's a bit, it's exactly in that in the middle. So how, most of it is, uh, sorry, two, uh, half of it is set up and the other half is recurring revenue. Okay. And we're looking to grow in the next 12 months, and that's why we're going for to raise capital. Got it. Okay. Thanks very much. Simon? Yeah, I, I, I'd have to very much uh, concur with, uh, with Tony on, on, his, on, on, the, on the culture of the industry. Um, and that's really what I think, you know, being, uh, working with a, you know, a close competitor, similar business in the place, and, and, and dealing with the culture of the industry and dealing with the, the, the nature of, of, uh, of a market that's generally very conservative. So when they talk about change and they need to change, there is a resistance to change simply because of the, 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 the nature of the industry. So that is, you know, in many respects, it's a long-haul long-haul play. It's a long haul to convince these businesses to change their models. And I think, and you know, and so how are you going to cut through that? How are you going to cut through that? The, you know, we've been doing this this way for 20 years or 30 years. How are you going to, you know, cut through that? I guess there's two parts to that question for me is um, both on Tony and Simon's um, question on, on the culture and, and, and the industry having that problem of resistance to change. Um, 
COVID nine. So this that's pre COVID nineteen. So post COVID nineteen, we've the the conversations have been so different. The tone has been so different in this industry. Why? Because they know they need help, but they just don't know how to ask for it. And that's why there's a there has always been a resistant to getting into the barrier of entry, as Tony mentioned, because they just don't know where, what to do because they've got so many different multi layers that they need to focus on. And that's kind of like the healthcare industry. But aged care is a subset of the healthcare industry. So that itself has its own different uh, dynamics to it that we have to really focus on. And that's what the Compago system has actually done. We've really focused on creating a very strong backend system that will be able to Every time you go into into a boardroom or into EMT with the C-suite, you'll be able to take off the CEO's pain points, the CTO's pain points, the CFO's pain points, and then the actual care workers, the administrators, the people who are on ground providing those services. So that's where that's where we, we that's where the culture has drastically changed in the last, I would say, twelve months, and that's where we've been really successful in having these high-level conversations, high, sitting down with the CEOs and seeing what their pain points are. Um, and the second point that you mentioned um, on the culture, ooh, I forgot that one. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's it, how do you cut through the culture? How do you cut through the culture and the long so? longevity right you have to be you have to be ready for this industry this industry is about to and i hate to use the word disrupt but it's it's it, we're disrupting it but we're not going to go like become a become a um a decentralized actual system not become like a mabel no we're actually centralizing everything we're making it in the power of the actual aged care facilities to be able to have everything in one place and that's what compago means framework togetherness to be able to bring everything in house in in one place and that's what we're trying to we're, that the cutthroat is the longevity of this it becomes the software system becomes actually now taking my social impact hat or the person who actually really cares and putting my imp, uh, investor hat on it becomes really sticky it stays in the industry for so long that everyone gets so used to it that they don't want to use anything else because that's what the standard needs to be, really high. And we're, that's what we want to be known for, to setting the standard really high and becoming baseline standard in the industry. So where do you see most, the final, final question, where do you see most of your revenue coming from? There's a number of verticals in this space. So there's home care, there's assisted care, there's a number of verticals. Where do you see most of your revenue coming from? Where are you going to focus your attention? So that's another really good question, Simon. And in the last pitch night we had, um, one of the investors asked me, he's like, well, why are you not giving this system for free? Right? And that's great. That's obviously an amazing observation. But if we do not, if we, we, if we give it for free right now, no one's actually going to take us seriously. They're not going to take the software seriously. But once we got adoption and once we've got influence, the system will be completely free. And we're going to be focusing on the services that's going to be, to be delivered. No, no, no. no. The, the question was home care, residential care, which verdict, Which one of those verticals oh, are going to generate sorry, the I revenue? What pricing? Yeah, yeah. M m money. Um, so predominantly in the, in the home care space because that's where the market is moving towards. From all the findings that we ha we've seen in the last five years, residential aged care costs too much money. Retirement, again, you have to pay an arm and leg to get into one of these ret retirement villages. And it's goddamn expensive. And from, what, from actual statistics and from actual research, we've, we've really focused on and we really realized that seniors or anyone doesn't want to live in these facilities. And COVID-19 has, again, so, uh, it's cemented that. They, were, they, were, they turned into jails. They became, they became into 
residential the residential aged care facility became so closed off that no one could even visit, not even care providers, to, to deliver those services to within the facility as well. Ali, well done. Thank you very much indeed. That's been really interesting to listen to. Thank you, John. Just in case there is a senior executive of a major aged care organisation listening who is right now saying to themselves, I really should be talking to this guy, where should they go to? <laughs> uh, so put in an inquiry through the, through the website, so www.compago.com.au, or hit me up directly on LinkedIn. Um, I think LinkedIn's a very powerful tool. And, and just to be, be clear, Compago is spelled C-O-N-P-A-G-O. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. N for Nelly. N for not Nelly. Not M in, for in, Mary. In. Compago. In. In. Absolutely. In, in, for, in for nobody. Never. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, congratulations. Thank you. Well done. Thank you and said with such passion thank you very much well that wraps up our three pictures for tonight so far uh, I think it's been a, a fantastic night do our angels from our Redlands Angels group have any last words that they would like to to share I think what what I'd like to do very briefly is just I'm just going to say when I look at a pitch the key things that I look for and then and then just very briefly relate that to the to the three pitches we've seen this evening so what I'm looking for often is I look I look to see for what I call robustness of a business model and we've seen three this evening that are very different in, in many ways completely different industries completely different things yet they've all had they've all had strengths and weaknesses uh compargo for instance i can see that the stickiness or what to use the old terminology repeatability of revenue would be very high once you've got the penetration i think that's that's a, that's that's a major thing um robustness in terms of the potential overall business model as it stands i i think uh the law on earth model has, has potentially got a lot to offer there as well with swap you um i think if they can overcome that that key thing about the about the sort of intermittentness of the, of the of the transactions then that could also be very very robust as well but they're di they're all very different but they're all very similar and you would rate them different ways when you came to make your investment decision that's how i tend to look at them uh, my colleagues might think differently simon what would you say so uh, every angel every angel has a different view of the world uh, and their decisions to to invest are very very different so they're driven by different things for me it's really about the half of the decision making is the why why are you here where's your passion and definitely Ali and and um, and and Katie definitely have passion about why they do it. So that's the first thing that sucks me in. Absolutely. If you tell me why in the first two minutes, you've got me. You've got my attention. Um, and 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 that's really your passion because I know that they're going to wake up tomorrow and if their business is going bad. They're going to be there to fight for their business because they have a passion and drive to do it. Which means I know that they're going to come through at the end, whether or not the business is successful or not. They're going to give it a real good crack and they're going to have your passion about and they're going to drive it so that's possible and they're all all three businesses solving very importantly different problems and that's really important all of them are really important problems to solve you know we're talking about legal we're talking about um swap you in terms of recycling of, of products and we're talking definitely about healthcare. But, but each of them have very difficult problems when they're addressing the problems and and definitely i agree totally with john in saying it's the stickiness definitely with Compargo is definitely there if you can get through and cut through the culture and you can get your software in there it's going to stay there and it's going to be repeatable revenue and katie is, is very similar 
I'm just starting because it's happened so many times. Yeah, yeah. So, so all right, let's give you a turn on the back there. Uh, but, but definitely, I think, and with with, with Katie's about is about solving a problem, and I think that there's a real market opportunity for that as well. And um, and uh, but the, the real the the difficulty I have with Swap You is is that it's two sided marketplace. It's a C to C market. So but angels love B to B because it's easy. There's one guy who writes one check once a month, and it's a big one. You know, when you're talking about a C to C job, you're talking about inconsistencies of revenue. You're talking about, um, you know, customers are very finicky. They will change their mind any day of the week. You know, one day it's Pokemon Go, and the next day it's not Pokemon Go. You know, this is the thing that happens regularly with cons- with customers. So, from angels of investors, investors love the B to B model more than that. So, if I was to say something, it's about fifty percent of its passion, thirty five percent of its business model, and fifteen percent is the problem you're trying to solve so yeah i'm impressed that you can you can you can divide it up that accurately in terms of percentages <laughs> I mean, that's that's very very impressive um i wonder if tony has equally impressive stats i'm not so sure <laughs> um i'm not even going to try and uh, enumerate exactly how you break up this decision making process but um I, I think simon um i just want to echo a lot of what he said the the fact that you, the, the three pitches tonight, one about legal access, the other one about circular economy, and the other one about aged care. My guess is there's a whole bunch of people sitting in uh, the audience out there tonight listening to these going, every one of these should be funded because they are incredibly important social issues. Everyone actually has the right to legal access. We've got to save the planet and we need to care for our elderly because that's basically why we're all here. There's not a person out there I don't think would actually argue with these are all worthwhile and the fact that all three of you so far have been incredibly passionate about it is incredibly commendable. The frustration for a lot of people out there is why the heck don't these people get funding? And there's a couple of key elements and it's and particularly when you come to angel investment, a lot of people come to angels because their banks won't even look at them. So these, uh, these companies are way too early stage. You don't have three years of revenue and everything else. So a bank's not even going to look at a bank loan or a business loan or anything for this sort of stuff. So this is where you come back to the early conversation about higher risk, um, diversified risk across a whole angel portfolio. What that also means is we've heard Simon talking about the roadshow tonight and people like Kate and Ali and Nick have to go and pitch to a hundred different people because out of those hundred all you're looking for is five that actually truly get what you're talking about and you've got to find the ones with the right industry knowledge the right experience or the right passion that actually says yeah I'm going to roll some dice on you so it'll either be doing the road trips which is what you've heard Simon talking about tonight or in some instances particularly with like Compago for myself I'm thinking who do we know so sometimes it'll be introductions or referrals to other angel groups or to specific in, uh, people that we know invest. A lot of angels will have a vertical they play in or they actually say, oh, I'm a deep tech investor or I'm a health tech investor or I'm a uh, smart city investor or whatever else. So sometimes it's about p- picking your audience as well. So a lot of what we can do is actually introduce to networks and that's one of the things that Simon does through Angel Loop is actually connect you right across the country. And there's a lot of other people, but it's getting really targeted because you could pitch that message to 99 people and it's all just too hard. Exactly as Simon said, the complexity is too big, the barriers to entry are too big. And as John said, if there's a CEO out there that says, I should be talking to this guy, sometimes that's all you need is a corporate investor that basically goes, yep, I'm going to back this story. 
The other part is, in terms of each of the pitches, and final comment, one of the things we always talk to people about is you've got to know your numbers. <coughs> and this is a tough one. A lot of people turn up and they're passionate about it and they know exactly the problem they want to solve, but it's like, do you know your numbers? Because basically you're asking people to put money on the line and you're actually convincing them that you know how to manage the numbers, manage the financials, so they're going to get a return on their investment. So whether people ask you about client acquisition costs or your recurring revenues, um, your, your total op EBITDAs and everything else, there's a whole bunch of financial jargon, which particularly if you get to the next round of questions and due diligence, everyone has to know. Because you've got to be able to convince people, one, that I'm passionate about it, that I've got the skills to create it, but then I've also got the skills to manage the business. So, and that's often the third one is where we find a lot of people fall short because they just don't know the numbers enough. So, yeah, for me, just congratulations to everyone that stepped up tonight. Been brilliant. It's been a fun experiment on our end. It's the first time we've also, <laughs> certainly the first time I've sat here and listened to pictures without any slides or any visuals. Um, I think it's been awesome. It's, it certainly has been, uh, thanks Tony, it certainly has been interesting listening to pictures rather than also hearing the pictures as well as slides. That's been a new experience for us uh, for us as well. So uh, so there we are. I think, uh, well, not much remains but to thank our, uh, thank my fellow uh, angels in the room. Uh, thank Tony, thank Simon, thank T Simon especially for helping his key role in helping put this together at incredibly short notice. Thank you. To thank our three pitchers uh, who made the evening so colourful and brilliant. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you, Ali. Thank you, Katie. Uh, thank you, Nick. Um, so there we go. Wow. There we go. So that, that, that's 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 time has flown. Time has flown, and we've overrun. Again. But, but it doesn't matter. Yes, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but I, 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 honestly, my opinion uh, tonight, we had fun. Um, our pitches were magnificent. Standing up and. And, and pitching without the assistance of a pitch deck and to talk on radio for that length of time compassionately, enthusiastically you've done a brilliant job, all three, all three and our angels in the studio tonight our investors in the studio it's been a wonderful experience and it, as far as I know, this is a first, kind of like a Shark Tank on radio. This is a first, and <laughs> it happened here at Bay yeah, FM. <laughs> we'll have to put a plaque. We'll put a, we'll have to do it again. We'll put a plaque on the on the building. Well, um, um, so there's a possibility um, of being able to do future with startup Redlands. And also the the Redlands Angels. And we'll so have a look at that. We'll two that different categories mm -hmm. there, and we have often spoken about startup Redlands. Um, as if you've got a great idea and you don't know what to do or where to go next, then you've got to go and have a look at startup Redlands and have a look at entrepreneurs' journey. Start asking questions. There is an amazing ecosystem out there that you just may not know exists, but once you start plugging into it once you start being familiar the people in it are incredible and they are there to help you every single step of the way we happen to be part of that journey here at bay fm with searchlight the entrepreneur's journey and our very own amazing john Vaquette, who has has just stepped up every single month all through covid to assist and we've pulled together amazing mentors to assist our businesses as they had to pivot during COVID and assist people on the startup journey to ask the questions, to know where to go, what's next, what's next, what's next. And speaking of what's next, 
So, we'll be back in four weeks' time with another programme. Whether that'll include a pitch or not, we don't know yet. We'll work that one out. Um, but our envisaged topic for next time is all about building the right team. Why that's so important. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> 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 Thank you so much for your company tonight. Uh, we have one last little uh, SMS that came through. Hello, just listening to uh, John and Sharon's program. I agree with the third speaker and Tony. I'm definitely worried about my parents going to an aged care home, so I'm glad someone's doing something about it. Cheers, Kayla. So that's nice to know. And I think you are doing something magnificent. Got some introductions for you. But that's it for us tonight. Thank you very much for your company and thank you to our guests and our pitchers. This is Bay FM 100.3. Enjoy your evening. This is Searchlight, the entrepreneur's journey.